Please be advised that this podcast may contain strong language and themes of an adult's nature. It's like standing under a tree, a fruit tree, hungry and hopeful for both meal and nourishment. No be the same thing. No be waiting you chop go nourish you. Not all that feeds us nourishes. It's like watching someone walk onto the same spot you just left. A patch of earth that you have worn bald from pacing. But as they casually stroll up to the tree, branches sway to the side and give way to low-hanging fruit previously hidden or in folds of the evergreen leaves. And with one arm stretched, this person, with no strain at all, picks a fruit at a time from the same stem, stopping only when their bag is full. Eh, when you come to uncle, when you come out and you, you go to there. Nothing. It's a barrenness. The feeling of the have-nots. My mother told me that she will buy me a rubber dolly if I was good, good. And now for the Unsullied with Orica Goddess. Get in there. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with someone whose network, his actual Philofax, gives me nothing but envy, and I keep threatening to steal it. The people who know who he knows span industries from oil to celluloid and every imaginable industry in between. They say, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Well, with you, I actually don't know where to begin with telling who you are. Uh, you are very playful. You're incredibly curious. You're a husband, a father, an entrepreneur, a proud son of the red soil of Edo State in Nigeria. If you've seen me of late looking a bit rotund, he is also solely to blame as he is the workout buddy and accountability partner that left me to be with his real family in America. Yes, I'm looking at you. (laughs) He is the kind of champion that everyone needs in their corner. And I mean, even his staff who have left his company to start businesses of their own, he will still be the first person to send clients their way. His name is Osiretin to me, to other people is Oswald, but to all of us, he is unsullied. And that is why he's on the show today. Hello, good evening. What time is it where you are? Afternoon? Now, wow, this intro. Let me go and find this person you are talking to. <laughs> it is 2.15 p.m. I, sometimes these intros, when the people are started, you have to look behind you and go, who? who? Is it me? No, because you need Is to add me? more, right? That's why you look back like, no, 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 you haven't, you haven't, you haven't bigged me up enough. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by it. I, I have to now, I have to now sit up and say, okay, this is the person she's expecting. Let me, let me, in fact, button your shirts. Please, I'm expecting a rough rider. Don't button your shirts. Give us. Okay, sh- shirt is off. All right, let's go. Uh, go I'm chain. Bouncing. Swinging. This I'm is go, go, go chain and cross. The yes, the chain is swinging. The hating. Yeah, 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 Riding dirty. Yeah. In fact, I've just, I've just added one more gold chain because of I get the idea now. Okay. <laughs> okay, my bling is off. My bling is off. Three chains, one beard. Yes, now. You want to hear 2000, not 2007, 1998 Oswald, right? Brooklyn. That's what you're looking for? Yes, Brooklyn in the house. Okay. Okay, it's coming. <laughs> it will put on the walking stick and come. It's coming. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bia, becoming you. The youth in you, revive. It's okay. We'll manage the one we have now. Let's manage him like that. So before we get into the book, I think we should start with you and your origin story. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about you, your family, your parents, your grandparents. You know their grandparents. How far into your lineage can you actually go? How Nigerian are you? Oh man! Because that's how we'll go far, and we now realize that mm, you're not a bender light after all. You're actually, <laughs> you're actually from Ghana. As I'm looking at you, so <laughs> that was a heavy one. But having said that, I would never, absolutely never take a genetics test. That will never happen. Is that because you're one of those people who are afraid that the FBI will will have a hold of it and somehow someday be like, no, okay. no, 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 no. I have, I. Have, I I have zero zero fears of any state government or anything. Matter of fact, I can live in China. The fear is that that database is probably flawed. That it will come back and tell me that I'm from Togo. That would destroy me because. I mean, now that you're saying it, I'm looking at your nose now. This is a Togo nose you have, oh. Mm, this curve, right? This one last curve. This yeah, one, this this is a, I know. That's why. That's why I'm worried. <laughs> this last curve. Before that, it was very normal. I don't know. But the next last curve kind of give it mm. a Togo. There's nothing being from Togo. But the point is, part of what makes me me is that I know, you know, deep in my soul that I am from a village called Benin City, right? And the lineage of that runs very deeply in me. I mean, it gets so funny that when I'm in Benin and I tell people, I say, my name is Osaritin Gobadia. They say to me, ah, Wanyaido. Which means very cleanly in, in to English means you guys are the owner of Benin. Mm. You understand? That's how far back my family goes, right? Uh, even the meaning of my name, no, Gobadia. It means you live like a king. You live next door to the king. The king is here and you are here. You don't have to be together. Oh, so you shortened your name. No, it's Gobadia. Oh, I thought I thought you had a Okay, 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 okay. I thought you said Nguobadia. No, it's the way you, it's, the, it's kind of in, 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 the, in the naming, the way you say it in the structure, in the name. So it's Nguobadia, like you. Yeah, no, because my last name is Goddess. And a lot of people think I made made it up. Okay. And I'm like, if I were making up last names, I I, I promise you, I, w- I wouldn't go with Goddess. <laughs> I just wouldn't. But it fits, right? So it's one of those things where, you know, the last name and the person well, if, if met. You're, if and- you're a heathen. And your I'm, last name is Goddess. It doesn't really fit because people look at you and they're like, oh. No, but you're not a hidden now. Yeah. Okay. okay. But, okay, let me not give you the compliment <laughs> that's so obvious. So. No, I know what you mean. Uh, my grandfather was a reverend, actually. Yeah. And now this might be Fabu. My auntie, Auntie Do, said once when I was a child, and it might have mm. been Fabu at the time, that our full last name actually is Igodisie. And. Because, okay. you know, the colonials colonized. They couldn't pronounce it. Exactly. So they shortened it from Igodisie to Goddess. Yeah. I haven't actually checked that with any other family member since. And it might actually just be Fabu and not be true. But yeah, so I was just wondering if yours was shortened at any point as well. No, they did a lot of that. The colonial uh, criminals. Mm. I mean, they did a, they did a lot of, of that kind of shortening. Uh, no, my name wasn't shortened by by the uh, colonial people. Because, you know, I come from a tribe that actually fought them. So they didn't bother with us at all, really. They kind of packaged us and pushed us to the side and moved on to other, you know, other areas. Um, so my, my, my parents, you know, both my parents are from Benin. Uh, my grandparents are from Benin. Um, 
I met I met my great great grandfather on my mother's side. You are so lucky, really. Yeah, great grandfather. What's your earliest memory of meeting your great great grandfather? And how old were you? How old was was your great great grandfather? No, not great great. Did I put two greats on that? Great grandfather. You put two greats. Oh, okay, okay. Not two greats. One great. I mean, he, he got to name me, right? So the guy gave me a name, which is one of the names that I that I use. Um, well, not publicly, really. Um, and I remember he, he had a son that was older than me. So that just shows you, you know, how these men were, really, they just never stopped, right? You just never stopped sowing those oats. <laughs> yeah, so I have a grand uncle. I have a grand uncle that's younger than me. Wow. So I, I, I'm lucky in the sense that I met my great grandfather. I met all my grandparents when I moved back to Nigeria when I was about five. And I lived in Nigeria because I was born in England, actually. So I lived in Nigeria for, um, for a bunch of years before I moved and went back to the States. But in, during that period of time, I got to meet my grandparents. I lived in Benin. I went to school in Benin. So that's why all the packaging, I tell people, look, all this packaging you are seeing, I'm really just truly a Bini boy. I grew up in Bini City, went to a primary school in Bini City, you know, walked the market barefooted. I did that life, right? So all the post-packaging is really post-packaging around a very, you know, strong center um, that was, you know, you know, raised in, in a culturally rich environment, which Bini City is. So that's, that's who I am at my core. So that's why a lot of times people see me, I'm going to Bini a lot, especially of recent. They're like, ah. You know, it seems like it's like a foreign trip. But no, 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 no. I'm really just going home. Right? I'm really just going to where, you know, where I really know is home. You know, I have homes in other places, but Benin City is like my real home. Right? So that's kind of the, the essence of that, where, where that really comes from. So I don't know if I really answered your question about the grandparents thing. You know, Gobadia, my grandfather, I mean, he had upwards of geez, maybe 40 kids. So I have about 40 uncles and aunts. So just imagine how many cousins I have. Do you think that because you knew your grandparents, what kind of, like what quality of, how do you think that has added to your quality of existence? I say this because I only know my my grandmother, one grandmother. Mm. I don't know, yeah. I didn't meet any of my grandparents besides this one mm-hmm. grandmother who then passed away. Well, it's probably coming up to eight years or something now. And for me, I find that I, I so much about who I am and how I identify. And she was my last link to our village in Oguri. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have no that I have nobody else who lives there. There's no reason for me to go there for Christmas or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I miss that connection so much. So when I meet people like mm-hmm. you who you're like, not only can you trace your lineage back centuries, you still go mm-hmm. home and you can still point to that's this one and that's my uncle's mm-hmm. this and that. I I I just wonder what kind of life you have as a result of that cultural richness that I don't know if it's in my mind, but I feel like you guys so, are superior. So, no, I would, I would answer it this way. I wouldn't say we're superior because it, it's something that can be created. And I will tell you, I'll tell you how and, and why intentionality about it. So, for instance, I'm raising four kids, right? Um, and with them, you know, you can't force them and say, okay, this is what you are. This is who you are. Um, this is what you are, this is what, who you are. But what you can do is you can surround them with who they are and what they are. So if you come to my house, you will see that on my walls, I have purposely put, you know, being in art, right? So we live in America, but I want my children to have a sense of who they are just by what they see by when they walk around. That plays a part in it, right? So that's sort of what your grandparents served, Right. When you your mom drops you in your grandmother's house, you know, and your grandmother gives you that food. Like, for instance, one of the reasons why I'm able to speak Benin today or, well, 
Let me take that back. One of the reasons why I understand Benin quite well. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm not going to let you brush over that. Is it that you can't speak it as smoothly as you used to? Be, you used to, or can I sell you inside markets? Can I take you to markets right now in in Benin? And let let's put it like this, right? Uh-huh. You can't sell me. You can't sell me in Benin because I understand it perfectly, right? Okay. But the speaking of Benin is not as perfect as it should be. I'm not very fluent on the speaking side, and you know that that was part of the that's part of the colonial um, strategy, which is a strategy because there was a period of time when our parents just didn't teach children our languages, right? They they actually said no vernacular in the house. We all, we all, I mean I didn't hear my parents say it, but the outcome was. My dad, my mom speak Benin and Yoruba. I barely speak Benin. I don't speak Yoruba. I think today, what an asset would be if I spoke Yoruba, You're right? Because we're, we're having a return. But, but I'm in the better shape. There are people who grew up in Lagos. They grew up in Lagos. They don't speak their own language from where their parents are. Mm. Or do they speak Yoruba where they're living? So it's, 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 it's a disaster in the sense that we're losing our languages, which are really rich. English doesn't, doesn't cover the range of human existence that our languages does. You know, and that's true for a lot of languages. English is also plain. You know, it was created by not creative people, right? So our languages is actually languages that explains, you know, why the soil is red. Those things that don't make sense that makes meaning to your soul, speaks to your soul. So that, so that's languages, right? But one thing about about uh, growing up and becoming an adult, because you asked the question about identity, mm-hmm. is that I believe one thing that happens is that as you grow up, you always ask that question, who you are. You may never ask that question you know, like out in public, who am I? But I think in your soul, you always have that question saying, who I be, who am I, right? And you need answers. And seeing your grandparents, understanding your lineage, it's, it quickly checks off that box. So you, as a person, you now move on to the next question, which is what do I want to be, as opposed to who am I, right? So we have friends and we know people who are stuck on who am I forever. You, you know what I mean? They're like, kind of, who am I? Today they are this, tomorrow they are this. They, 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 they never quite resolve the, 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 the identity issue, right? So it's the same thing with children. Children, you need to answer that question for them very quickly. You are this person and you are from this place. Stick your chest out. Now move on to the next thing. Go and do your math, right? So, I, so I'm a strong believer in providing that who you are answer to, to children and the same thing as adults. So they don't waste their time, you know, finishing college and going... Who am I? No, no, my friend, you, you don't have time for the who am I question. <laughs> you don't you need to move on time. to. Yeah, you, that answer has already been given. Look around your walls. Look at what you ate in your grandfather's house. Like my children, when they go to my, they call jollof, grandpa's rice. It's not jollof. <laughs> you understand? The juice they drink, the juice they drink in my dad's house, they call it grandpa juice. It's regular juice my dad buys in some store. It just turns out he's the only one that has it because they only sell it. My dad lives in Brooklyn, by the way, New York, right? That juice is a regular juice. I forget who makes it. It's off the shelf, but they call it grandpa juice. Now, those memories, they build something in you. Right. Right? So when you get older, you, you don't feel displaced in the world. You know that your grandfather had a house in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So, some landlord is making shakara for you over rental property. My friend, my dad had rental property when he was 24. You know, it, it, it does something to the brain, right? It, it answers that question of you have a place. I mean, even with racism, right? It's very difficult. See, you know one of the reasons why... 
I know you've asked me a very simple question and I've gone no, to no, no, all no, kinds no, of places. No, 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 no. You are going yeah. to all the places that I was actually going as well. And I, so please do not. Oh, so I, I'm driving. So I should keep driving the car. Drive the car. Please, okay. please. In fact, I'm with you. If you want me to stop and charge people one naira change, Conductor, 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 collect, collect, collect. Uh-huh. I can do it. Uh-huh. So if you, if you realize one of the subsets of reasons why racism doesn't affect Africans and Nigerians when they go to the abroad or the overseas is because you have a sense of who you are. Because one of the first things that was done to slaves was to strip their identity, right? So these things, you know, some things just seem like it's just up in the air, but when you really study things that were done to humans, right, to dehumanize them, one of the first things they did was remove their identity. They take it, they scrub it, they twist it around, turn you around, turn you around the barrel, stick you in the water, bring you out, and then they say, look at you, you're just a thing. You're, you're a thing, you're not a person, you're not a, you don't have an identity. But the minute you remember, what? I am Osarity Men, Gobadia from Benin City. You can't be a slave. You will start fighting, you will start a war because your identity would remind you of your humanity, right? So when a Nigerian who is from uh, Ogun State, Ijebode, goes to America, and one of you guys says, uh, you are an N-word. He just giggles and says, no, I'm from Ijebo Day. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> I, don't I don't know what you're talking me. about. You know, the truth about it is, this thing I'm saying is not only a joke. It happened to me. When I first got to America, somebody called me the N-word. And I looked at it and said, no, now I'm Nigerian. And that was the end of that. So identity plays a very strong role in how you also react you know, to situations, how you react in life and so forth. So I, so I think meeting your grandparents is not the only way, but I think it's one of the ways of rooting yourself in your identity, which answers that question. So the question of who am I is never, is never in question. I know when they say answer your papa name, I know the papa name to answer, you know. So it, it helps you even in, in, in decisions that may take you down bad roads. You know that you have a name you're answering, you know how far that name goes, right? You know, you know that, uh, you know, in Benin we say, which means, or they can say to any other name, which means you are a child of your last name, right? So it can't be that it's me that will now be like, oh, um, EFCC is looking for, no, 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 it's not possible. It's not possible. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> no, no, uh-uh. You see, there's so many forks in the road. You just don't take it. Your, your identity actually prevents you. Trust me, I'm a businessman in Nigeria. I have seen all the forks in the road. You see how I'm coming from? So when you are going down all these roads and you find that you're not on ESCC list, although it seems like sometimes being on this list shows you are a true commercial entity in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, you know, ESCC list, uh, the other one list. If you're not on those lists, that means you're not doing you're not anything. Doing it business. feels that way sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it feels like, I yeah. even, do you even exist in this space? Because this is part of the baptism of fire. This is part of the trials and tribulations of someone who's trying to make it in Nigeria. That's what it looks like sometimes. Yeah, you have to have gone down this road, right? So, yeah. But sometimes when you have a name that you are carrying on your back, you can't go down those roads. You don't want that right of passage. Yeah, you're like, no, that's not, that's not mine. It isn't Bambaba. No, sorry. I pass. I go left. I mean, I, I see the work that you and the collective of people you associate with as well do in terms of trying to drive awareness about language and culture and arts and also bring back the legacy of what it means mm -hmm. to be an Edo man as well. I see the work you guys do with that group. And, and it's actually one of the things that's really inspired me because I want, I'm working on a legacy project of my own for my little okay. village. Awesome. Um, awesome. Because our language is one that is at risk of becoming extinct. Yep. And I don't speak it. I, unlike you, where you at least understand it enough that they can't sell you. I, maybe I'll, 
if you speak a sentence that's maybe a thousand words long, I might understand one word. Yeah. <laughs> might not. I, I know you that know, feeling. And that's it. And I so it really, it really eats away at me that I don't, I, I want to know more and connect more. And the work that you do from that front is is just definitely one that I look at. I mean, like, I, I, I point to it that I want to be able to replicate that on, on a front for, for, for my people. I, I would say it, it takes a lot of intentionality. Mm. So I'll give you, I'll put it this way. Over the last couple of years, my Bini speaking has gotten a lot stronger. And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I've done. So my circle, to, to some extent, I mean, like you said in the beginning, when you introduced me and I had to go and look for the person <laughs> you're talking about. You know, in, in, my, in some of my circles, I actually have a circle that is just Benin people who speak better Benin than me. And I actually, we hang out and a lot of times our conversation is in Benin or they're speaking to me in Benin, which has forced me to get better. That's one. Two, I actually have a cousin who's, who he tells me the story that the reason why he went to go and learn to write and speak Benin better is because when I came to visit as a younger person, I spoke Benin better than wow. him and he was teased about it. Like, ah, ah, you are living here. Because he lived there full time and he's doing, he's doing guy. He was doing your man, your man. And then me that came from America, I at least understood it because I learned from my grandma, right? And grandparents. So he now went to go out and learn. But now this cousin of mine now serves as a consultant to me. Literally consultant, no joke. Like if I run into a Benin word, like sometimes I, I type things, I'll, I'll write a message or on social media, I'll respond to somebody in Benin. I check with him. I send it to him. I say, hey, you know, is this right? And he says, yes, he'll send it back to me, then I'll post it. People are hailing me, ah, look at this guy. Ah, you grew up in America, but you wrote that. Very well done. Mm -mm. I have a consultant. On my phone, I have a, a, a post where I write Benin words that I've learned and I now want to own. So I say that to say that I'm very intentional right. about it. As in, this is something I want to, as I get older, and when I'm not older, I want my Benin to progressively get stronger. You know, it's actually a goal because it's our language and it's something that was systemically, it, 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 it wasn't at the point that we, you know, you and I started our lives. It was a derivative of previous action, right? So it was things that were set in motion that we're now feeling the effects of. It's not like, you know, the colonial masters were still saying, don't teach your children your language, don't teach your children language. But things they set in place had led to, you know, us further, you know, moving away from our core identities, our languages, and, you know, and that just keeps to roll forward. So it's now time for us to put a stop in that and, and, and start reversing, reversing that damage. Let's stay with that thread of identity because part of my identity or part of my heritage apparently is the people from Ogori mm -hmm. have one of the, and, and for some reason, this is something we boast about. So, you know, don't at me, but we have the largest number of professors of any tribe, group, town, village, whatever it is in all of Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Now, before people started going to school and professorship became a professor thing to do, what were we before that? Apparently, a lot of us were, um, as is with most people in that area, because Ogori is in Kogi State, for those who aren't aware. Yeah. Um, is a lot of people from that area tend to be either hunters mm -hmm. or farmers. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we were. Yeah. Peaceful people, generally speaking. Now, when I look at that and I look at people from certain other tribes and maybe they were traders or marketers or whatever it is historically, I look at how there's a spirit of entrepreneurship mm -hmm. that they have. And I wonder, is this... And I don't mean to sound stupid, yeah. but is this a gene that has been passed on through their ancestry? You know what I mean? Have they inherited that entrepreneurial spirit? Because I see me and 
there's not one iota thread of entrepreneurship <laughs> that I have. I am so happy being an employee. Yeah. So much so that there are so many ideas that I have that I voluntarily go and look for people and say, oh, what about this idea? How about you do this? And I, oh, that's a yeah. great idea, Oreka. Let's, I'm like, no, 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 no. Start the business. I'll come and work for you. I'm coming. That's, I'm, and I'll join. And I genuinely will go and push other people's dreams and try and bring their efforts. And I see how, what you should do, I, all the steps, strategy, everything. I'll do it for you, but I, I don't do it for myself. Yeah. So I wonder, um, do you find that there's something, and, and again, this is me probably just extrapolating too far. No, no. But I, I wonder it, if there are there are things that you that you find that if you go back and look at different parts of the country, and I hope this isn't doesn't veer into the prejudicial side of things because mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. not my intention at all. Mm-hmm. But are there things that we inherit as much as we inherit our names and you know our uh, you know uh, granddad's juice and things that there's sometimes through bloodlines. We teach people how to be better business people. We teach people how to be better teachers or we teach people how to be better students. And so mm-hmm. you can raise a generation of students, a generation yeah. of business leaders, a generation yeah. of politicians or professors yeah. and so, so on and so forth. And is there a place for that? Or should yeah. we all be aspiring to be just the one thing? So you've, you've, there's a lot there. So you have to kind of unpack it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It so happens I, I took it all in. So I have to, you know. So I think, I think what happens a lot of times is that we see outcomes and then we try to take it back to the roots, cause. And because the outcome is so complex, we may end up in the wrong place, right? So a lot of things um, make up what we are, right? So there's even some scientific test or research going on right now that, you know, your DNA can carry generational pain. Yes, I read yeah. that. Okay, so if your DNA can carry generational pain, and they're talking about this from slaves, that the emotional damage of slavery 400 years ago is still happening to a newborn baby. So if that's the case, then, you know, it's also possible that your, your DNA can carry certain traits that lends itself to certain outcomes, right? So, I mean, that's not really, I, I don't have to make it seem like that's a, a maybe. That's actually what happens, right? So the way DNA works is that you carry certain traits and those certain traits in a, a different environment will lend itself to something else and a different environment will lend itself to something else. So... If you are in an environment where everybody is a, an entrepreneur or, or in the trade business, right, or in, in some kind of uh, a commerce type activity versus a educational endeavor, there's a good possibility that you may read a lot of books or in your store, you have books piled up. In fact, your people will be yelling at you, come and move these books, we need to move in more merchandise. But you are a trader. That's what you do. Yes. But you read a lot. You know, so you, you can never know where that will, how that will play out, right? Because like a difference, it's a mix of things. It's soup. You know, you put salt, you put pepper, you put this. Where would it land, right? It's kind of a balance, right? So I think that, you know, generally, you know, areas, you know, if you look at, you know, geographically, different areas have um, different things that they have natural resources, right? So it's like we would have almost wished and hoped that Nigeria grew up based on the natural resources of the environment, which means if I lived in a place that had that has palm kernel, then maybe I would do a business that is related or a job that is related to palm kernel, right? So, it, and, and there's a long processing line or processing value chain 
from Pancano. So maybe I'm on the side where I'm turning Pancano to Shets. While my grandfather was on the side where he found Pancano, right? So, but if you see in that one product of Pancano, we are all doing different things. I am now mm. turning Pancano to Shets. That's not the same skill and traits that my grandfather used to farm Pancano. That's a different set of skill, traits, education, background, all the things you want to talk about that makes him a great Pancano farmer. The things that make me a great Pancano shirt maker is a different set of things as well, right? But in the same geolocation, we are dealing with the same uni product, right? Which is Pancano, right? So that's, that's, that's one of the things, you know, we have to consider. And then on the topic of entrepreneurship, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm still, I, I've been an entrepreneur for 13 years, but I'm still trying to understand it myself. Right. So one of the things I often tell people is that a lot of us are entrepreneurs. Right. And the difference between entrepreneurs and everybody else really is a lot of times it's just risk management. Right. It's it's how much risk you're willing to take in certain situations. Right. It's like, OK, because, you know, the statement you make when you say, I am going to take this one idea. And I'm going to take this one idea and I'm going to go to the marketplace with it. And this idea is going to feed me. The only thing that is absent from that person and somebody else who says, I, I'm going to take this one idea and I'm going to pitch it to my boss. And then my boss is going to like it and maybe I'll get promoted is risk. Mm. It's, no, it's no difference, right? Because a lot of the skill sets are the same. If you have to develop, if you can develop strategy, if you can look at a problem and solve it, if you can create a price, pricing plan or however you look at it, if you can call somebody and say, do you want this thing? You don't want it. If you can sell ideas, these are all the same skill sets, right? What makes it different to extent apart from risk as well is the passion, right? And sometimes passion can override your fear of risk because if you see something that really drives you you may completely forget about that the thing is risky. <laughs> you may forget that this thing may not feed you. You know, you're just so passionate about it. Oh my God, I have found a new bra. It's called Wonder Bra. I'm going to sell this Wonder Bra. And you designed it. Matter of fact, you took your other bras, you cut it up, and you put some things in there, and, and now you're holding up. This, you show your first friend and say, I'm going to sell this thing. And they think you're mad, right? So it's, the, it's that taking a step out. So that passion, if you have that passion, that passion overrides your risk. Um, but if it's not something that really drives you so it's not hot like fire, you know, I mean, most entrepreneurs have something that drives them hot like fire. I was sitting in a very cushion job in America in 96, 97, 98. And I was talking about the business I now own in Nigeria. Like I was going to die. Like if I don't do it, you know, it's going to kill me. And that made you pack your bags, move across an ocean, go into a country, you know, so it, 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 passion will, will override your fear. Um, but I think you have, you find the thing that you're passionate about. When you find that thing you're passionate about, you'd be surprised how much risk you're willing to take. And, and, I, and I think you have found some of those things. You just don't identify that being entrepreneurial. What would you call an actor who runs their own career? I mean, is that not entrepreneurial? Somebody who doesn't know. I call it someone who doesn't like money. No, but <laughs> if you're an actor in Nigeria, <laughs> how much money are you earning? Hello? You're not earning Goldman Sachs money at all. Yeah, but a person who, a, but a person who left Goldman Sachs, and um, and went to go and start his own business in Nigeria, that person don't like money either. Yeah, I'm gonna get to you and your story. Still to come on the Unsullied. Who is around you and who you put as 
your person you look at can influence how you react and how you act when you are in a situation to act. So you'll be surprised, right? So, you know, if one person made a mistake 50 years ago, you may make the same mistake. It's not even genetics, it's really just your environment. And you may not know. If I was good, good, good. So my question around identity, and obviously I was asking about your origin story, which you've shared um, as well, for me is to try to get a sense of what success looked like for your parents, your grandparents, and how they interpreted that or how they, they, they translated that into your life. What you think success means. And now as a father, what are you telling your kids about success? One of the things that I've learned from other parents and from people who write books about parenthood is that when you're a parent, you're also learning from your kids. So from your angle, I'm curious to know what success meant for your parents, your grandparents, you know, the, the, the parts of your family that you met, how it translated into your life and how you then have taken on that word success. And now that you're a parent yourself and you're learning from your kids, how have you shifted the meaning of success for you? How, how have they taught you what success means? You know, so I, I tell people a lot of times I'm understated and, and, and that doesn't come from me. That, that's just generations of my family. I mean, they just, they just do stuff and just live, right? And it's never about the outward show of, of any of it. I mean, if you meet my dad, you would, you would never see that he's, uh, he's, he's, he's done it. You know, he's just kind of laid back just relates with anybody, has a good conversation with anybody, you know, one of those dads, you show up with friends and, you know, you get to chat in. There's, there's no, there's no uh, sense of opulence, no sense of, uh, I am, uh, I'm above the please bow to my feet type of stuff. So, um, I think, I think success is just, you know, living a, a basic life, finding what makes you happy, doing the things that makes you happy. Um, you know, finding hobbies that makes you happy. Um, uh, so a lot of things you see me do, is 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 part of my definition of success. So, um, do I want to help other people? I already did. So I have a I have a sense of how to build systems. So therefore, I should try to do a charity, right? So doing a charity and helping more people, now that being successful, would be a, a good definition of success for me, right? Um, I like culture. Okay, great. It's good if I buy one piece of art, but how can I help it so that it's a lot of us that like culture and now buying art and I have a place to go to, um, to, to understand art and embrace art. Is that it? That, that's a definition of success, right? That developing and that working and, you know, and panning out is, is my idea of success, right? I have children, right? You know, paying, you know, ensuring that they grow up right, ensuring they go to school, ensuring that they get educated. Those are all the things that, that means success to me, right? Being able to partake in things that I enjoy, um, that I work hard for, um, it's, and, and that's where it sort of ends. But it, there's, no, there's no next level as, it's not tied to things, right? Because I don't see it as, you know, as, as monuments. It's not, oh, if I don't buy a private jet, then I have not done anything. You know, if I don't own a house in London Central, I have not done anything. It's, it's not a big deal. I saw the house in London like five, six years ago that I owned. It's, it's not, it's, it, it didn't mean anything. Nobody knew I had it. If I didn't say it, you wouldn't have known that I sold it. So what's the big deal, right? So it's, it's that kind of thing. But I think, I think we find ourselves in this you see, the, the success, right? It's a great question you asked and I hope I'm sort of answering because the thing about success is it, it's very unique. Everybody should have their own. Right, there's no TV can't tell you what success is. You know, the marketing it, it's not because you bought the latest Nikes. 
right? It's not, it's not the definition. It's, it's, it needs to be something that brings you joy. So I give an example. So for instance, I used to like telephones, phones, mobile phones. And I would have the latest mobile phones. And I enjoyed it. Like the phone just came out. In fact, they, they don't, they, they have not even finished making it in the factory when I got it, right? Um, that wasn't a definition of success. That was something I enjoyed, right? Because I was a technology person, right? So I left my job to go start my business. And then I had an older phone, right? And I went to drink with some friends. And I put my phone on the table. And a friend of mine went, ah, you still have the last one because they knew me. So they took that to mean is because I could no longer afford it. So this is a very good friend. They actually, the next day, they actually sent me the latest phone, right? So I appreciate that friend. And today that person is my friend. But the misunderstanding there was that my phone purchasing was because I, it was it's a thing of success. No, it wasn't. I just enjoyed it. It's something I liked. I like to see, okay, how did they upgrade the nest? You know, what, how did they, you know? And I did more than just buy the phones. I studied the phones. I studied the business comp- uh, practices. I understood what the company, like for instance, I want, I want the first people that predicted that Blackberry was going to die. Why? Because I was, that was something I did as a hobby, right? I read into the companies. I read into how they were managing the companies. I read into what the phone strategy was. And then I'll buy a phone. I just wasn't comparing phone to phone. One is silver, one is black. Okay, let me get the silver one. So, I think everybody's definition is success and unique to them. Now, how do you translate that to your children? I would say, once again, it's about the environment you create, right? So I think, you know, your kids see you working hard. Down the road, they will know that working hard is part of the game. Um, I think your kids see you not taking shortcuts. They will understand that not taking shortcuts is part of the game. Um, I think, you know, there's certain traits that you pass down to them, their intelligence, you know, a number of other things. Um, it's now a question of how they use it, right? Yeah, you, you know, you can, you can encourage children, you can drive children forward, um, but you cannot, you, you know, like they say, you can't take somebody to the river and force them to drink. It's, 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 really, it's really true with children. Children are so different. I mean, children are so different. Oh, my goodness. Each child is so different. So it's like you're raising four kids in the same house, all the same environment and they're all doing different things so you know that this is left for you know social engineers and uh and genetic scientists to come figure out the whole environment versus you know you know it's 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 nurture versus nature it's it's amazing They're, they're so different the way they approach things you know tell tell three boys when you wake up read uh do this do that go and look at how each of them approach it you know one stays in bed longer. The other one wakes up early and does it. The other one doesn't do it. Three different approaches. Your children watch you, right? And, you know, ultimately, see, there's, there's something about life skills, right? It's not today that it becomes um, needed, right? It's not like when you're in university. It's not like when you're in, in, in your first job. It could be when you're 45 and you're now the chairman of NDDCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCCC
you know, not stars, right? So it, it really comes, and the idea really came from babies in the crib. When you put a baby in the crib, they're looking up and they see different mobiles, the different you know, the things they play with. So it's sort of the same way you are with people in your life that influence you, right? So you have certain people who you look. Some person could be your mate. I have somebody who's my age mate. She's a week, two weeks older than me. But when I look up at people who I think are doing things from a social conscious, getting things done, she's up there in mine, right? She's, she's, and she's my age mate. So it's not about age. It's about what people are doing. So certain people place people above them and look at them and say, okay, this person I can follow because their path, I can see how they're making their moves and I can appreciate it and I can learn from this. So it, it, who, who is around you and who you put as the person you look at can influence how you, how you react and how you act when you are in a situation to act. So you'll be surprised, right? So, you know, if one person made a mistake 50 years ago, you may make the same mistake. It's not even genetics. It's really just your environment. And you may not know. Mm-hmm. So in terms of your environment, then, what's your earliest memory of, of a feeling that made you really uncomfortable? And did you do something about this? And let, let me try and break that down a little bit better because we're talking about learned behavior and things that we might have done in our younger days and that form part of our identity that we've brought into adulthood. And for me, I'm wondering if at any point in time, there were things that you experienced, you saw or whatever it is, and you remember it till now. And it's something that shifted something in you. So it could be that... You saw someone do something abhorrent mm. and you said something about it. Or maybe you didn't. And because you didn't, you're now looking back at it 10 years later. You know, maybe it happened when you were 10 and you're now 20. And you're like, oh, I should have said something there. And because you didn't, it you, for the rest of your life, you became the person who will always say something going forward. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to understand what shifts you've had. It's That's hard. Now, how, why is that hard? Mm. Because on some level... There are things that you've seen that you know should not have happened, right? That you put in the side of your mind that it's very difficult to pull out now because you would have to pull it out in a very organized way to protect the guilty, right? right. Um, there are certain things that you may have seen that is still maybe too personal to say it once again to protect the guilty. So it's, 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 very, it's, it's a difficult question to answer. So I, I, I'll try to answer it this way. So have I seen things where, you know, in situ, I'm like, no, maybe you shouldn't have done that or maybe that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, sure. I mean, we saw it in university. We saw it in people, where people treated people. We saw it in relationships. We saw it in, you know, you know unfaithfulness. We saw it in all sorts of ways, right? Um, um, how does that, how does that um, affect us as a person um, is either we become agreeable to it or we define ourselves away from it, right? So there are certain things, you know, you say to yourself, I will never do that. And then you, you open your eyes in situ, you're doing it. And you're like, huh. And you have to make a, situation, a decision right there and there. Is this a new definition of me or is this something I'm never going to do again? So it, it's, it varies. But, but I think a lot of those things are just really part of being human, right? Um, and, and, and humans are generally flawed. We, we make mistakes. And, but I think what is critical about making those mistakes is, is the intentionality, right? It's also the, the desire to do better, right? And, and, finding, and finding, you know, finding growth from it. Is there anything you do now because a part of you is still running from an experience from your childhood or your youth? 
no. Running towards then? No, I embrace everything in, from my from my growing up. Um, I think I've 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 lived a well, still living a very colorful, rich culturally, socially, emotionally life. You sound like a very well-rounded human being. I try, you know. Although I've been losing weight, but I'm kind of still round. Um, I, I I I try to draw from things that happen. I mean, I've, I've done silly stuff. I mean, I was telling the uh, what's his name? Oh, Chukuka. Yesterday, you know, okay, here's something nobody knows about me. In high school, I got suspended. You would never believe it, right? So I'm not going to tell you why, but I did something that got me suspended. In fact, twice within the same semester. What did I learn from that, right? So what I learned from that was to be more reflective, right? It sounds crazy now saying, well, now I'm about to be 45 years old. So I could tell you, you know, I was being reflective. But the truth of the matter is those two suspensions had the same root cause, right? And... Changing that root cause um, changed the outcome, right? Changed the path, right? Um, now, where do I use that? Today, I have three boys, right? I go to a teacher. They say, ah, your son in this class, he's talking too much. Okay, no problem. The next teacher, I looked at them. The teacher goes, your son, great guy, very smart, but he's talking too much. I say, okay, no problem. Next teacher, your son, very smart guy, does his work, but he's talking too much. I say, wait a minute. I asked the teacher, I say, who is common in this class? Is there one person that is common? They say, oh, all the teachers looked at me at the same time. Yes, Billy. Billy is common. Billy sits with him in every of those three classes. I say, please remove my son from all those three classes. I don't want him by Billy again. I have not heard that complaint again. <laughs> that, com- that complaint is gone. What you could have done would have been to tell your son off, ground him or whatever it is. And he wouldn't have... It wouldn't have helped. ...tackled the issue of the... Re- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because Billy, Billy would have been waiting for him in class like this, with his hands open. So a mutual friend of ours, her name is Lisa. She... I don't I, know her. I knew her. I knew her when I was in England. <laughs> and she told me, she sold me this story of how she moved to Nigeria. She paid off all of her debts. She mm-hmm. paid off all her credit card and everything. Mm-hmm. She sold me a story of a land that's filled with milk and honey. Oh, yes. You know, you come and work here. Your rent is paid. Yes. Your BQ has a BQ. Yes. Um, You know, you, you are the expats to end all expats. Yeah. You know, champagne living. That's right. And... I, um, at the time, was working for a company called the Bank of New York Mellon. Oh, yes, and I know that. I then decided that this is the time for me to join this gravy train. Yes, man. And this is around the time when CDOs and all of that was happening in, in the abroad. And I said, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to make people redundant, I know you haven't reached my department, but perhaps provincial, you want to enter my department. May I suggest myself to get this... Um, redundancy pay so I can move back and jollof and wear sundresses in Nigeria all the time, which I did. And then I got here at a time where the gravy train had ended. You came late. I came very, very late. I came after you and Lisa and them had come and enjoyed. What what year did you come? I landed in 2009 and two things happened. I landed in a year where the gravy train was starting to trickle off. And also I landed in the year where I didn't realize that that gravy train didn't apply to every single industry. So I arrived and went to radio as opposed to <laughs> arrive and go corporate. Yeah. And it's a corporate where they were paying for people's houses and their cars and, and whatever yes, have you. Yes. So I came with student loan debts, with Barclay card debts, with American Express card debts as well, 
where I had been told, oh, once you land in like six months, all your credit card bills, you would have paid it. I, I didn't pay it off. At the airport, at the airport, they ask you for the slip. They say, what are all your debts? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's what I was told. You know? They didn't ask you. They didn't ask you. They didn't ask At the airport, they they're supposed ask to ask. Me. No? At the airport, they're supposed to say, uh, excuse me, ma'am, you're just coming from London. Yeah. The cancel culture that we're talking about now, I was told cancel culture in 2009 was arriving at the airport and they cancel all your debts. Whatever, whatever you have. Yes. Gone. And it That's didn't correct. happen. That's correct. So I'd really like to know mm-hmm. your move back story. I'd really like to know how you transitioned careers and transitions from being an employee working in this amazing global company and being who you um, like I said, I haven't read your book yet, but I had started it. Mm. Um, and mm. one of the things you mentioned is that there's someone who looked across from you one day and said, why are you doing this job? You shouldn't be here because of the skills that you're already showing. So I'd like to hear your mm-hmm. move back story, the transition you made and mm. and how that got you to, in hindsight, you were on that, you were always on the path that would lead to where you are today. So I always tell people this move back story uh, business, I always said that it, is, it was love, right? And every time I see that boy, I think, oh, I'm about to tell him this juicy story about how I met one girl when I came on vacation. I'm not right? going to disappoint no. me. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, y- yes, that, that story. No, that's not the story. So, I came to Nigeria in to visit in the 90s. And I absolutely fell in love with my country, right? So, I came back in 99. And once again, oh, my goodness, I was infatuated in love with her. Um, so, I was like, man, how do I get back here? How do I get back here? Um, in, in the 2000s, early 2000s, I was in Nigeria. I mean, the amount of time I came to Nigeria, you think I lived in London. I'm talking from New York. I was coming to Nigeria for a weekend. You know, I was flying, you know. Were we do doing direct do. flights then? No, 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 no. I was passing through London. I take Virgin, Virgin Atlantic. That's why young boys had the gold gold in their, early, in their mid-20s because we were traveling to Nigeria on some reckless you know, amounts of time that we gathered enough miles to be gold before we, you know, because I, because I will come to, you know, people came to Nigeria for Christmas, Easter. No, no, no. I will be in Nigeria in June on a Wednesday. Like why? There's nothing happening. You're listening to The Unsullied with Orica Goddess. That's me. And this episode was edited by 808 Extra. You can find them on Instagram at 808XTRA. If I was good, good, good. I was in love with Nigeria is why I moved back. I kept on coming to Nigeria. So what I did is I put a plan together to move back home. And it took me a couple of years. I had a few things I said I'm gonna you're gonna, you know, target in America. You no, know, these things are in the book, you know, one or two things I'm gonna get done, get married, settle down, blah, 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 and then move. The interesting thing is when the one of those last things happened, I immediately started packing my bags. And I was heading back to Nigeria to come start this business. And the reason why I took a lot of those trips, hopefully that carries over. Um, I was saying earlier that I was in Nigeria, you know, sometimes just weekends, sometimes I'm flying in for a day or two and I'm in the middle of June. There's no Christmas, no Easter. I'm just in Lagos and I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, it, it served, the purpose it served was it, it allowed me to do some research on what kind of business I wanted to start. You know, it allowed me to meet a lot of people. So when I did move back, you know, um, I'd already formed some relationships. I already knew some people. Um, so that was kind of covered because the whole move back thing could be, you know, like you said, if you didn't have a Lisa, regardless of the fact that she sold you on the on an expiring dream, um, you know, knowing Lisa, I'm sure it helped you settle, uh, settle in. Um, so that, that, that was, I mean, move back was great. Yeah. Move back was great. 
and you move back in a different time. So you know the move back thing comes in stages. They're the people who move that move back pre-mobile phones. Mm. Those ones are pre pre-man, pre-modern man. They move back when there was no mobile phones. <laughs> they Those came are other when people. We were crawling. Yes. yes. They crawled so that I could walk. Exactly. Those are the ones. Yeah. You know when you see that evolution chart when the man is still forming and then Yes. Yeah. You came back when man was already on two feet. That's that's the, t- the time. When I came back at the airport, they collected all my bills. They say, okay, what are the things you want to pay? I submitted it. You know, there was a line. I submitted it. And then when I got to the house, they gave me money to, to pay. In some situations, they paid for it for you. You know, that's when I moved back. You just came came a little late. Yeah, okay. When I go back, there wasn't anyone there to even collect my bags. So that's mm. that's when I no, you came, at, you was, came was, a bit late. I came at the time when they were like, "Oh, you just moved back. Oh, okay, yeah, join the rest. Everybody else just moved back." I, yeah. it, it, it wasn't like, "Look, we have a thousand of you. We don't got time. You know, we we don't care about your accent. Sit down." It, yeah, it became a thing when I moved back. They were they were desi- matter of fact, true to my story, it's actually in the book. I got called. I got a call while I was a goman. Like, hi, uh, Oswald Gobadi. I'm like. uh, Actually, no, they called me Osaitin. Osaitin, yes, it's, that's me. Oh, this is this person calling from Nigeria. I'd like to speak to you about. That's when I moved back. When you guys moved back, I was like, oh, you came? You're back? Okay. Okay. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and can we talk about Nigeria as a place that sometimes requires a jack of all trades? to to be able regardless what it is you're doing if you're a movie make filmmaker you must also know a little bit about makeup and wardrobe and everything Mm. you know if you're a construction worker you must also know about interior designing and things and this jack of all tracing do you find that it makes us better better entrepreneurs is this is this something that you think it's it impacts the way we do business in any way positively or negatively so what's interesting about that is that it it almost lends itself to say, of course, yes, it's good when you become diverse in skills and you can do multiple things and you you know, nobody can hold you ransom and you can, you know, that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is a distraction, right? Um, sometimes to create, you know, create true value, you have to have almost a maddening focus on one thing and one particular thing. Um, Nigeria, you know, is one of the things we're saying and we, we, we've put out in the book, Nigeria is a, is a BYOE, right? So it's bring your own everything, right? Um, type environment. And that serves as a distraction because if you want to, um, do eggs, you know, you, you can't just say, I'm going to go collect the eggs from somewhere. No, you now have to do the chickens. You cannot say, okay, I'm doing the chickens, but I can outsource where my chickens are to some farm. No, 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 no. You have to now do the farm. Now you now do the farm. You can't just say, I'm going to, you know, oh, now you now have to build the chicken house. You know, and it keeps going. And you, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to buy that quality field. No, 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 no. Now you have to now do the feed, right? So, in you know, in their abroad, they'll say, oh, yes, that's just you building an ecosystem. But in Nigeria, you you have to always build the ecosystem. It's not even a choice, right? So it serves as a distraction. You know, you want to, you just want to do a show on the radio. It turns out that the intern that has to help you move your papers, you have to train them first, like they've never been to university. That is tasking. You 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 only have but so much cycles. You want to spend that time ensuring that you prep for your show, ensuring you think about you know broad and fantastic questions you're going to ask your your guests. Not dealing with spelling errors on a document that's going to get sent out. Believe it or not, we, we have limits, right? So some of us operate like we don't have limits. Trust me, I'm one of those people. I try to do fifteen hundred different things, like one charity, one foundation, one this, one that. But even I know that some of those things are suffering because of the amount of time I can give to it. 
right? So even like launching this book right now, I think one of the reasons why we have enough time to dedicate to it because of COVID, right? It's because of Corona. But if I was on a plane hopping between South Africa and Lagos and getting to Lagos and doing this and doing that, and I got to go to Abuja in a meeting, book me, which time? <laughs> <laughs> where, does it, where does it come from? In fact, in fact, writing the book happened because, you know, if you, if you read any of the, I think it's, it's in the book, right? In the back of the book. You know, we wrote the book because we saw elections coming. And when elections come, we know we were going to have, um, you know, all those months of, you know, of non-economic activity. Like, wait a minute, what are we going to do this time? Are we gonna, are we, we're going to be in Lagos, Abby. Let's start writing the book. We started writing the book. Once you start writing that, you have to finish. It, it, that's, it was driven by accounting for our time. So, you know, I, I think it sounds great. It allows you the opportunity to do a lot of different things, and some of us enjoy it, but it's really a distraction especially from those people who don't have capacity. So it sounds as if there's a lot of mental gymming that has to happen as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as an employee in Nigeria. And so oh how do you how do you build that muscle? How do you protect your mental health and and keep your yourself both physically fit and mentally fit? to be able to do the mental gym that is being a business owner or runner in Nigeria? And what are the, the things that you've done that have helped you over this, over that if you, you wish you knew when you moved back to Nigeria in the first place, that, oh, let me employ X, Y, Z, and, and that will be the thing. So I think, I, think, I think one thing is that some of the skills you need to be an entrepreneur, a lot of these skills are skills that you have from your first job. So that's why we're now advising young potential entrepreneurs to really just go get a job first, right? Get a job. Any, any kind of job? No, get, get a job that teaches you something, right? And, and by teaches you something, if, for example, I'm going to be an entrepreneur in Nigeria or Africa or West Africa, Central Africa, wherever, is it important that that first job exists in this space or it doesn't matter where that experience is coming from? No, it, it doesn't matter where that experience is coming because the very first job out of university, you need to understand first of all, that you have, those skills actually mean something, right? That you actually are doing a presentation and not something that seems like a presentation, right? That this Excel sheet, that when you put two and two and two and two and you put this formula, it gives you 44. It's because you put enough tools and not because you did the wrong formula, right? So some of those basic skills, you'll be surprised. I mean, I, I look, in the book, we talk about something called a toolkit, right? And when I talk about a toolkit, I literally picture a belt around my waist. And in that belt, I have skills that I've gathered, talents that I've built into skills, and I put it, I put it on the wall, and it's sitting there and in my toolkit. And when I need it, I pull it out, right? You know, the example I gave most recently was, you know, you tell somebody, a young person, write this document for me. Tell me how COVID impact a business or how you work through, um, how you work through, you know, on certain times. And they write the document. You look at it, and then you use it. Now, that same person, when they do a business down the road and they now have uncertain times, guess what they draw on? Is it is what was in that document, right? Because you've experienced it. So that's why I tell, a lot of times I tell young people now, anytime I get an opportunity to speak in front of young people, stop avoiding tasks. Every single task you do, right, teaches you something. You take something out of it or it exposes your character. And where I'm taking that to is the statement you just made a few minutes ago. So... 
I was working at Goldman Sachs. I was an engineer. I wanted to be a network guy. I'm talking gangster network. I have switches and routers on my back. I'm flying to an office in Atlanta. I'm fixing the whole network. From there, I'm hopping on a plane to Cayman Islands. I'm fixing the whole network. Then from there, I'm going to go to Japan. I'm running, you know, I was a network guy. Anything you say about me, I was a Cisco network guy, networking. I configured devices. I made infrastructure work. And then you have a guy who's like a black belt tell you, man, you really should be in marketing. By black belt, you're talking Six Sigma now. Just no, no, right? no, no Six not? Sigma. I just okay. meant that he was really good. He's like the best at it. Okay, right? okay, okay. He's like one of the best at the company. To me, he was my North Star at the time. I was looking at him as this is the guy I'm learning from. Okay. So he looked at me and said, I should be in marketing. Now, why did he say that? Because he later explained it to me years later. Basically, every time I did a task, there was a certain flair to it that did not belong to network people. They say, Oswald, um, please go configure this and this. Me, I will do presentation. The thing will be shiny. It will be bells and whistles now presented. They say, wait a minute, this is small config. You have not done this whole, you know, I, I had a whole package into how I did things. So I obviously belonged in sales. <laughs> you know, I obviously yeah. belonged in some way where I was selling ideas, which is what I'm doing today, right? I sell infrastructure. I don't know. Well, you build, didn't know I mean, that about it. yourself and you didn't see that about yourself. But through the job that you were doing, it put you in a position where other people could see your other talents. Exactly. But if I was lackluster, if I was lackluster and said, oh, this thing I'm doing now is not really the thing I want to do because I want to be doing something else. Because my dad, you know, those people have never seen my ability to be able to make a statement like that, which at the time hurt, but it was what was reflecting out of the way I work. Right. So it's, it's, it's important that everything you do, you do your best at it so that either you learn, well, you're going to learn from it regardless. But one of the things that you never know as a byproduct is people get to see you and say, oh, this guy bends a certain way every time he does this. I think he should be a dancer. They would never know if you're standing still. You understand? So that, that's kind of advice to young people. And when you are in a BYOE environment, right? So the, the mental gym and you asked me, right, about, you know, just the, the multi-calculations you have to do to be an entrepreneur in Nigeria, right? Um, I recently told a bunch of young entrepreneurs this, right? Um, we, already, we already operate in a environment that, you know, is uncertain. It's, you know, a, um, it has a lot of um, volatility, you know, it's ambiguous and it's very complex. And that's what they call VUCA. Right. Um, I don't own the phrase. It's something that's out there on the Internet. Um, but I've, I've told people that Nigeria is actually VUCA plus, plus, plus. We're just extra. Right. So that's the environment we're in. Right. So that 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 VUCA thing was really uh, established to this to discuss, um, you know, markets. You know, when you try to classify a market, you say this market is quite VUCA, right? It's, you know, it's very, you know, there's a lot of volatility. It's very complex. It's ambiguous in nature um, and, and so forth. Right. But that's Nigeria now. That's that's what we operate in. So even if you look at when you look at um, on a regular day, you know that's what we operate in a regular day. So when you look at COVID, right, COVID nineteen, you will see that the effects, apart from sickness and death, let's put that aside. That that's a whole conversation as well. Because even with that Corona, we are getting sick and dying. So so put that aside. I don't want to understate. I mean, I actually even lost people during Corona, so I understand it fully. I don't want to understate it. But the, the regular effects of Corona are quite similar to the normal Nigerian business environment. What are you talking about? We have six months of non-economic activity. Go look at our last two elections. Yes. Things shut down before elections season. Exactly. Because everyone's like, oh, well, we don't know who the new president or governor or senator or whatever is going to be. And whatever we sign now might not. So 
Yeah, you're right. Just before elections. And immediately after elections, things don't happen either because, you know, new cabinets haven't been picked yet or whatever. You're right. We have six months, if we're lucky, sometimes more than six months of inactivity. Exactly. And we don't realize. We just live it. Even think about, look look at Nigeria and Christmas time. Christmas time, week or two before Christmas, week or two after Christmas, you can't find a person who wants to sign something for you. Even your customs, they, they do things that make your life a little bit more difficult because it's Christmas time. People jack up their prices only because it's Christmas time. So we have some of this already happening. What I tell entrepreneurs now is, look, don't focus on what's happening right now. Focus on what you intend to do and start strategizing how to innovate your business for what the new post-COVID would look like, right? Because this current environment that we're talk- talking about is nothing new. We've always been in this environment. The only thing that's different now is that we have this virus that's really stubborn, is a weak, lazy virus, but it's really, really stubborn, is, you know, uh, is really insidious, and, you know, you can just get it by looking at somebody almost, it seems, these days, right? Um, that's the only thing. So find a way to adapt to that, protect yourself, but your business should find a way to survive. If it means you're doing different things to help your cash flow, figure it out, right? It's not a, whoa, who am I? Let me go and hide in my room. This is, is a disease upon us. It's really not that situation because the, 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 the business impacts are, are things we've always had to a great extent. Now, mental gymming. When me and you started lifting tire together, mm. what do you think led to that? You know? <laughs> You were working out. I saw you working on IG. I said, I said, my friend, this thing you are doing, how can I help you? Because that tire looks bigger than you. And you said, you said, come on this day. And I showed up, right? I think it took more than one uh, try to negotiate time because I, you know, busy, I traveled. But when I finally was here and I was there, I showed up. And then once I showed up, I started coming like I own the place. And after a while, even the person now started coming to see me as well in my house to train me. Because those are the things that are required to keep me sane, right? Other people, they may need to be riding their bicycle. Other people, they may need to be jogging. When you, you have Nigeria, you and I can count on one hand. We have no 10 people that do ultra marathons, not regular marathon, right? So, and, and think about it. You don't even have to be in, in a... You are not even in a running, like running circle. Like your your hundred friends are not runners. So why would you know ten people that do ultra marathon? I bet you people in New York, in your position, don't know ten people that do ultra marathon. They may know one. You see where I'm coming from? You know ten. What do you think is driving that ultra? Eighty something miles and plus. Yeah. Yeah. So they basically found things that stabilized them and made them feel, you know, relaxed, come down to the base zero, and they just kept at it. And that became their thing, right? People riding bikes. You know, we have guys who ride bikes. Every time they put up their numbers, I, I just go quiet. 100 miles, 150 miles. We rode to Ogun State. I'm like, Eba, what? is it not a bicycle you're riding? And, I see, and they'll so say it like they strolled down the road. I'm like, no, this thing you're saying is not normal like that, too. Yeah. We just, you know, we just rode Ore- to Ogun Oreka. State and back. Oreka, we were pulling car the other day. Me and you, did we pull car? This is we're true. We pulling motor. We, we pulled car. We cuckoo pulled it. We it's true. And, no, and the car didn't break down. Yes. Four by four. The, the car didn't need mechanic. We just put rope on it and said we are going to for pull fun. the car. <laughs> for fun. On a Saturday, <laughs> before pandemic. Saturday. <laughs> before mm. pandemic and Egusi. Yeah. No, but you're right. Exactly. I, I, there have been times in, in Nigeria where I have spiraled and it's taken me, it's it's recent times around this time of us pulling Kataya even that I realized one of the things that was missing in my daily Nigerian life, and I don't know if this applies to West Africans in general, Africans in general, 
was that I didn't have that. I didn't have a physical activity that exerted me. I didn't have a physical activity that taxed me. And when I do it, it gave me a sense of accomplishment because sometimes in my daily work, my daily working life, I didn't have a sense of accomplishment. You know, yeah. maybe because I'm waiting for something to be signed or um, Things are spinning. Whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. So just being able to lift that tire, you know, even yeah. if I don't fully lift it all the way, I can see that physical thing. Yeah. I, I've attempted it. I've lifted it. I know what the result is. I know what my input mm. plus effort equals yeah. to. Yeah. And I can go home and be like, ah, I tried. I didn't lift it all the way, oh, but I tried today. You know what? I'll try again yeah. tomorrow. And we all and we all were tracking your progress. We mm. saw we, we saw the physical product progress in your body. We saw the progress in what you were lifting. And we're like, wait a minute. Look at that. It was attractive. I mean, it was off Instagram I joined in. I said, ah, okay. When I'm coming, this thing looks like it's doing something. You know, because you know, there's a period of time where in Nigeria only recently got more interesting. There was a time when Nigeria was so boring that if you didn't travel within three months just to be outside, sometimes it was just to go to Ghana, you will literally start getting sick. Mm. This is something most people don't talk about, but I had a podcast with a friend the other day and she said she was somewhere for six months and she realized, oh my God, I've been here too long. That's what it was. She wasn't feeling great. She traveled, she came back, she felt great. Because there weren't things to do. Now you don't have a jumping place. You have more art galleries. You have a trainer. You have gym. You have, you know, all these things are now popping up. People are now doing you know, more types of, different types of business. And we, well, actually, we're grateful. Is your class of returnees. Yeah, even even like the, the stuff you do with the arts as well. You know, you guys are, just, there's a sculptural exhibition today. There's an art exhibition tomorrow. All new. There's oh, a terra culture play today. And there's more all than new. one. Yeah, all Before new. Before you can yeah, only go to right. one place. And in the place you be so stuffy and bougie that you're just like, mm, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. I like arts. Let me go to Lekki Market. You know, but now it's you can go see arts with short knickers on, you know, take it in, you know, do your thing, leave. If you want to buy, you buy. There's Art X, thank God for our sister. You go there, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Matter of fact, you know the funny thing? Um, I ran into Tokini in Marrakesh and I went to her ear and said, our own better pass this all. <laughs> you know, because Art X is better than it. You know, I forget what it's called. I don't want to actually, I don't want to say what it's called, but it was in Marrakesh. You know, I like, I went to her and I said, ah, our own is better than this all. Because I didn't have to leave Lagos and I had this fantastic experience that was created by somebody. So we, we, we really appreciate, you know, the, I think the entrepreneurs that came later, they started creating, you know, other types of expressions of entrepreneurship, really added value. The art galleries, the, you know, the curators, uh, the ones that came to open fancy restaurants. I just want to serve juice and sandwich. That's a very bold move. Juice and sandwich, you know. Uh, but when we go there for the juice and sandwich, we're appreciative, right? You know, one of the places that saved us in the early times, I think it's about the time you came, because I think we're still around. I'm not sure. You know, I'm getting old. Dates are mixed up. Is Lifehouse, Ugoma. Oh my goodness, Lifehouse, man. If you came to Lifehouse during that time, it was a movement. I'm talking three in the morning, we are singing for last songs. After you do that, you know, then you go home, wake up the next day and say, let me face Lagos. So, so we found ways to, to, to keep our minds going because the, the actual uh, creating value in our environment in Africa, you know, and we use Nigeria as a proxy, um, is really tasking. You know, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday and I said, Nepal sees light. She said to me, no, sorry, this is Ghana, we have light. You know, so Nigeria is a proxy, but it's, it, sometimes it has all a lot of the real issues that the rest of Africa doesn't, you know. And I think so the person we, in Ghana we, was we, teasing because I was in Ghana recently and they, they, they had light issues as 
does South Africa at the moment, actually. No, South Africa has um, a, so a ways. Yeah, they, they, they do. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. do you think, because a lot of the time people say that, oh, what is your vice? My vice is drinking or chasing women or whatever it is. But it sounds to me like we need to expand what we think the idea of that word vice means. And maybe we underestimate the importance of having them because they create yeah. a balance that actually feeds into the way we work and the way that we feel like, as Nigerians say, something that helps you step down <laughs> at the yeah. end of the no, day. No, you need to step down. <laughs> you need you to, to step, step down. down. And to step down. it then gives you this sense of, you know, like you said, you go to Lifehouse and the next morning you're able to wake up feeling renewed to charge forward and, you know, you have this new idea or whatever it is. Because I think in the West, there's so many activities and things that feed oh, yeah. things and the creativity yeah. that is involved in running your business and being a person, we, we underestimate yeah. that because it's just there. It's just structurally there. And so we don't yeah. go out of our way to look for it here. And then we're not aware that we're missing that here. And then I wonder yeah. about people like, um, no offense to your cousin that you mentioned, but I wonder like people like your cousin or someone who's a cousin of yours, who's perhaps in Benin has never left because I actually have family mm -hmm. members as well who've never left Uguri. No, yeah. no shade on them or whatever. You know, they're intelligent, they're working or whatever it is, but they haven't lived my experience. And mm -hmm. they sort of just grunt through life. And I wonder about, yeah. do I then go and tell them, do this and do this to no. experience life better? Or is your, your living experience is infinitely subjective to you and you have no right to then try and tell anybody, oh, do this and this will be better for your business or do this and it'll be better for your life. There, there are different, there are different, there are different aspects to that, right? So you know, you know how you go to the beach when we go to the beach. I haven't been in a while, but when you enter the boat and go to uh, Ikare and, and so forth, mm. right? I used to have a house back there back in the day, so we used to go quite often. Do you know the people that are there? They are stressed and they don't know they live on the beach. I find that. Do, do you understand what I mean? I find that that stupefies me because every time I go, I see that I'm like, man, I want your life. And they always look at peace and they're, you know, just walking up. And no, down but they are stressed. No, but they have their own stress too. They are stressed. They don't know they live at the beach. You are going to where they live to go, to go and relax. Please, what's stressing them out? No, see, that's the point now. That's the, this is the, this is what we call the DSTV perspective. So for instance, you think people, some people think everybody has DSTV because everybody you know has DSTV. So the person who's living at the beach they don't know they live at the beach. You go to the beach to relax. Okay, I'll give you another example. So I go jogging. I am jogging to exercise, but somebody else is jogging to get to work. Did you see what I mean? Mm. Like if you go jogging like in VI by our side, just jogging. You, you see some drivers or people, they, they're moving very fast. They try, they're just trying to get to work. But you are you got dressed up to go do that activity, mm. right? So there, there's definitely different perspectives, right? So that that's the to the your cut like the cousin in Benin, you know, uh, you know, or the, your cousin Nogori. They they have their own world perspective. They have their own set of problems, and they have the ways they also um, um, relax. And I think what can pop that is that if you take that cousin and move them to London, they would adapt to a broader life. See, what's happening to you is that you're moving from a broader expression of life to a more limited expression of life. So you now feel the crunch. But okay. you never had the crunch. And all you saw was on TV. Mm, TV not fake. Mm. All you know is that, you know, you could very well just live that life where you wake up in the morning, go outside, wash your car, enter your car, 
you know, I'm, I think, I think like I'm, I'm describing one of those old uh, uh, Nigerian books. Go to the office where you are a, 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 a the, the, you work, report to the Pem secretary in the ministry. You have your tie on, white shirt. You sit down, your clerk comes, you know, and then you get up, you drive home, eat your lunch at home, get back, go back to the office. And that is your life. And you are happy. You don't know anything about the tube. You don't know anything about the about sushi. You don't know anything about that restaurant that's at the end of that line. And when you take off the train, you got to go left, go right, and you run. You, you don't know. And because you don't know, you know, you're not unhappy because you don't know. Right. Right? Right. So, I mean, sometimes you just, I mean, I tend to define happiness as, you know, wanting what you have, appreciating what you have, as opposed to wanting what you don't have and dwelling on that. You know, every time you look at something like, oh, my God, there's a beautiful woman. I can't have her. You're going to be unhappy. Oh, my God, this man has a private jet. Oh, my God, I was on the boat. I was on the canoe and I drove by these two big boats. I don't have it. You're unhappy. When I see big boats I don't have, I say, wow, that's a nice boat. I wonder how they drive it. That's really interesting. And that's where it ends, you know. So it, it's, I think, I think the people who are, are living in the village, yes, they, if you ever see anybody who goes from a village to London and you see in their eyes, it's not happiness you are seeing per se. It's a larger life that they're experiencing that you're seeing. An expansion. Right? Mm-hmm. An expansion. So I have this uncle, right? He's a perfect example of this. I mean, he lived in Benin all his life. When I say all his life, I'm talking he left Nigeria when he was 70-something, right? And it's not like he lived in Lagos. He lived in Benin. And his birthday came recently and we sent a video and here's my uncle. I mean, the man's always been so elegant, right? But he was elegant in Benin, right? He had on a, a bowler's hat, white, clean, white shirt, a black tuxedo, a tie. That's this is my uncle who left Benin at 77. And then he was, it was in a wedding. By the way, this wedding was in Central Park, right? He was in the wedding in Central Park. This guy might as well have grown up in America. He, he was so stunning. But in Benin, he never achieved that. It's like, it's like, for instance, sometimes when, like I was just joking with Lisa, that person you said I know. <laughs> that you Lisa. don't know. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've, deni- I've, denied that, I've denied that three times now, so I have to stop. <laughs> as, a, as a cock crowed, the cock has crowed. How can you deny someone whose husband is holding your book on Instagram? What do you mean? Hey, I denied that three times now. The cock has crowed. I don't have to deny it again. She's my best friend. I love Lisa. Lisa, I love you. Lisa of my so, world, yes. There you go. Your uncle in his suit and being there in Central Park. No, he looks he looked beautiful. Yeah. He looks stunning. He looks stunning. So I, I, we keep saying your book, your book. And I just realized I actually haven't mentioned it. But it's fine because I'm actually putting in the show notes anyway. And I will, but... Yeah. I haven't mentioned it. It's called In Pursuit. Yes. Yeah. Journeys. In Pursuit, mm-hmm. Journeys. Go ahead, you're saying. I'd like to hear you say it. Journeys in African Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. Yes, correct. I love the cover. Oh, yeah. Because this cover is exactly how I felt the first 18 months when I moved back. And somebody told me that there's an adjustment process that will need to happen. And for most people, it happens in the 12th month and some 18 months in. And... Yeah. I, I, it's been years since I moved back and I still feel like I get hit from all angles. And again, I'm not an entrepreneur. I, I don't believe I am. Yeah. Right. But the fact that I, yeah. I, 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 I connect with this cover makes me think this is not yeah. just about entrepreneurship. This is about, I feel it's, it's a life book. Mm. It's about life. It's a life book. So we, 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 we call the mission, right? It's it's interesting how the thing evolves, right? We call it a mission because um, we believe that we need to start telling our stories. 
We need to start telling our stories. We need to start telling complete stories because incomplete stories is a part of our problem, right? Incomplete stories is what leads people to feel displaced, right? Life is one, two, three to 10. Um, you are in level one, but because of incomplete stories, you feel like you should be in level 16, but it only gets to 10, right? So that's one of the things that drives corruption. That's one of the things that drives process breakdown. That's one of the things that drives people from simply not learning because when you should be paying attention to level one type things, you're trying to read level five type things and you're disjointed, right? So the book is a mission about telling our stories, about changing the narrative, taking the pen, taking the lens um, and telling the story of the African person. We use entrepreneurship because that's where the story is kind of birthed from, because that's the path of people who wrote the book. But I think when most people read it, they, they see themselves in the pages because although the stories, the details of the stories are actually Chuka's and I's, uh, and mine, I should say, sorry, um, what, what, what you will see is that it's very relatable, right? Like we're really just telling our story, right? This is what you feel. So that's why the, the, the cover, you know, it, 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 you know, you connect to the cover because that's exactly what happens. You're getting punched in the face. You know, your, your leg is getting cleared. Your your briefcase, which is full of your ideas, is on the floor. In fact, when when the, before I had to hold myself because there's something with creativity where you have to tell yourself, stop, don't do anything else to it. Actually, it was it was a friend of mine that told me to stop, Victor Hikameno. You know, I showed it to him and he said, don't do anything else. Stop. That's it. You don't do. It's enough. You are finished. Right. What I was gonna do is I was gonna make. We get it. You look yeah. at the face of the person, they look like they're... Obviously, someone is about to punch them and the wind is being knocked out of them. But there's also exactly. surprise. Yeah, it's and like, I wait love to the me. expression on the person's eyes. It's not just surprise. It's not just the wind being knocked out of them. It also looks like the person has this intent that, okay, but when you're done, Sha, I will continue. I will show you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So, because, you yeah. know, uh, uh, you might think, oh, it's not quite optimistic. It's, it's anyway, carry on. You were, you were going to say something before no, I... No, you've nailed it. I mean, I, I love your analysis. Actually, I need to get something on tape of you just talking about the cover alone. You're going to have to send that to me. Because you just said something. I actually look back at the cover. If you noticed, he is punched, but his face, his head position is still forward. Yes. I never noticed that before. Oh, really? So not everything is intentional. The idea and what the concept you wanted to carry out was there. But this thing you just said just now, the minute you said it, I looked back. I'm like, let me go see where his head is. So although he's being punched back, he's still like, I will still get it done. He's not cowering. He's not cowering. He's not. He's just, okay. It's, it's literally like, you've hit me. Yeah. But I'm, st- I'm still standing. Yes. And yes. It's like even his eyes, he's looking defiantly at, if you look at, you know how we are with eye lines. It's like the person yeah. is standing in a position where I'm still, I'm eyeballing you as yeah. you do this. Yes. So this can't be a soccer punch, which means no. I have intention after this. Yes. I'm facing you. Yeah. Yes. That is the, that is the spirit of the African person. That's the spirit of the African entrepreneur. Through it all, we move forward because the truth matters when you look at our environment, there's no way that we should be surviving. I mean, to a great extent, right? We just thank God that the people who mismanage our country don't control our oxygen. You know, because things just don't make sense. So, and we still continue. And not just only do we continue, we come back to her, right? I mean, some of us have resumes that can get us jobs anywhere in the world. We, you know, we have families outside the world. We have beautiful homes outside the country. And we're like sitting here going, Kai, can COVID end so I can get back to Nigeria? Why? Not only you, I can come. Yeah. You don't do. You know, (laughs) are you the only babe in town? You know, <laughs> the shakara is too. So, so we, there's something about Africa. There's a string in Africa that pulls at your heart. 
And it's critical that we respect it, you know, because, you know, the other question, you know, I, I tried to move very quickly from complaints to solutions. And the other question I started asking is, what is your plan for Africa? Right? So on one hand, I know I'm living my plan for Africa. I know that I'm, my plan for Africa has dealt me all kinds of punches and slaps and, you know, I can make you cry, make you laugh as you witness in the pages that, you know, that's in front of you. Um, but I still sit and go, okay, fine. What is the next step? How do me and this, my girlfriend, how do we move to marriage? You know, how do we, why do we close this loop? So that, that's pretty much what's on that cover, right? So we've gotten knocked out, but yeah. we're still looking forward and say, okay, how do we, how do we progress this relationship? Um, what level, what, how, do we, how do we find a different way to, to love you, you know, um, until we figure it out? Because it's our country, you know, it's our continent. We have to figure out how we're going to get it better. I love that. Um, and on that note, I want to say thank you so much for your time because, and this has been a very painful use of your time. I, I, no, I, I, is it not you? Thank you yeah. for putting up with me. No, no, <laughs> you, no, no. So you that, should have a- just said, look, all trunks are busy. Please try later. In fact, no, I moved. <laughs> all trunks are busy. <laughs> P and T. Those are the P and T. No, but I think I think I think you know. I talk all the time. I said in 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 this desire to do this mission, um, one of the things that you learn is that a lot of the things we talk about in the book happens while we're trying to do it. So the line breaking, the line not connecting, the just something that worked before. I now, have been in pursuit of this conversation for there you real. Go. There you go. <laughs> That's the point. So, so, so it, it, it just, it just, it just happened. You know, I didn't allocate uh, thirty minutes for this conversation. I'm like, okay, I have an interview. I didn't plan anything for two, two and a half hours. I'm like, you know, that's how I planned it. Because I know that you were going to dial in from Nigeria. We're going to talk a little bit. We'll have the conversation and we'll see where it goes. Um. So normally we have some light stuff we normally do in the beginning, but we couldn't because it kept cutting out. So I'm going to end our conversation with the light stuff. Thank you for listening to the Unsullied podcast. If you'd like to talk about this episode on social media, please use the hashtag T-U-W-O-G. And if you want to share this on with somebody, you can use linktree forward slash O-R-E-K-A-G-O-D-I-S. Now, all this information, you don't have to cram it. It's in the show notes. So just scroll. Scroll now. It's there. Thank you. If I was good, good, good. So I would like you to describe um, your father of at least one teenager. Ah, um, I have more than one teenager. Or is it two? I have have two teenagers and a a young adult and 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 an almost teenager. Do you remember being when you were a teenager? Oh, yeah. I remember when I was a teenager. So can you describe yourself as a teenager but in a food item? Were you like mm. hot pepper soup, mm. hot and brash, not for everybody's sensitive palate or what? What what would you have been as a teenager, food item? Hmm. See, I grew up as the only child. So I would say I was fried plantain, Ooh. but it wasn't plantain, it was Wait, banana. Is it on right plantain? Is- no, 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 banana. You're not even looking at the look on my face right now. I don't know. Oh, sorry. I, I, was, I was looking out into the window. I've tried fried banana before, and I know it's sweet, but the flavor of it co-sense co- making. No, what I mean by that is that as an only child, right, there was a period of time, this was in teenager, where they actually fried banana to meet my needs because I wanted plantain. So I was spoiled. <laughs> I was spoiled. I was a spoiled child. I mean, I was, I was spoiled. I mean, I was, I, you know, there's a different kind of sport. There's that sport where you are spoiled but hard living. 
Like, yes. yes, I was poor. To most of you, I was poor. But to you, Lagos, people who lived in Lagos, I wasn't, I was, yes, only child, but I was hardened. You know, because I lived in Benin. You people lived in Lagos, you were enjoying. So, um, when you first mentioned this to me before, I actually thought it was any age. And I was thinking... Is there an age you have in mind that yeah, you wouldn't I, have been planting? Okay, what age? I would say 25. Okay. Yeah. 25, I was, uh, I would say... Hot akara with nyam. Ooh, what kind of akara? Akara osu? I'm not sure. Do you I know, know akara osu? No, that's where I was struggling. Okay, so, me, I used to do road trip to get to the village, and we mm. used to go via Benin. So, mm. on our way, there's a village we used to get to before we got to Benin called yeah. Osu. They mm. used to fry the biggest akara I've ever seen. Oh, and those big akaras. They would put um, crayfish inside mm. it, and they mm. fried it with red oil. And it's mm, the I only area I know. Mm-hmm. You know the mm. one. You know the one. Yes. I, yes. I'm quite accustomed to that Akara. Are you, are you, were you an Akara Osu? No, 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 no. I'm not Akara Osu. Uh, you know the Akara they fry, the skinny one they fry with, with Nyam. So The one they for, do at uh, Nokba, Alara. That's flat. They, they do it now? Oh, they have, yeah, pancake. They do Akara. Okay. But I will as vis- pancake. We'll visit there when I return. So that okay. we make sure that we make sure it's legitimate. Because it may be legitimate. Okay. I'm not sure. We have to ensure that and give, when we when we leave, we'll sign something and say this is approved. So, twenty five, I was picking up very very hot akara and hot nyam right from the oil with your bare hands. Ooh. That was that's twenty five. As I know, you're a correct person. That's why that's why that's why we talk. You know, correct, correct. person. Something and like um, I'm doing this thing now that when my friends give birth, I try and give them mm-hmm. something meaningful. And yeah. one of my friends gave birth earlier this year, and I sent her a book called the book you wish your parents read mm. and your children will be glad that you read. Mm. Um, it's, it's by a woman called Philippa Perry. Yes. So what book would you have liked your parents to read before they had mm. you? Oh, wow. That's a hard question. Mm. Um, book my parents would have read. I would have liked my parents to read We Need to Talk About Kevin. Mm. What's that about? It's um, it's a book about this woman who didn't want to have kids. Oh, and then she had a child, so she and had then to the adjust. child went on to be a you know those people that go and shoot out schools basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then she so, has to deal with the guilt of having a child when she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's a very compelling book actually. Yeah, yeah. I think I would have preferred if my parents had read a lot of business books. Right. I can't put my finger on one because I would say, so for instance, I like, I love Malcolm Gladwell. So if my parents had read anything Malcolm Gladwell, like, I mean, for recent, for instance, I just read um, uh, Talking to Strangers. So Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, awesome book. Um, Do you listen to his podcast, by the way? No. See, this podcast thing, I've, I try to listen to them and then I miss, I forget my place in them and then I get greedy. I want to listen to a whole bunch of them and then I ultimately just feel across the board. Now, one podcast that I do listen to and I tend not to fail is uh, Business Wars. Yeah, you put me on that. Did I, did yeah. I say thank you to the, what you Yeah, did? you did. Really? English, yeah, you yeah. put me on that one. Yeah. Business Wars is amazing. It's so easy to listen to. You can be walking around. Because it's serialized as well. Yeah. So, in fact, yeah. the day you put it on my phone, you said, start with the Coca-Cola story. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. So, I listen to Business Wars and I wait for new ones to come out, right? Mm. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, I love his books. I mean, I've read every single one. I don't like all of them. Um, I think I don't like What the Dog Saw or Blink or something like that. Um, but David and Goliath, Talking to Strangers, 
amazing books. Uh, of course, Tipping Point, amazing books. There's another book that I read recently. Um, I mean, you're talking about parents. Laura, see, I, I think some of these business books will would probably help. I don't. I don't really believe in self help books. So, um, so a book like uh, What You Do Is Who You is who you, is who you are by um, Ben Horowitz. Now you read that book and you you take some other strategies and apply to your kids. It probably it's probably a, a better a better bet than you know because I think some of these self help books are answering questions that you know culture has already answered because my grandfather did not read any books before he he raised my dad you know who i find to be you know excellent and amazing right um and my dad didn't read any child rearing books particularly should i call him dad maybe you should have no you know he didn't so so the kind of books i read and the the kind of things okay i give an example so my daughter um alexis right she is 24. when i say gangster I'm not joking. She's pure gangster. And, you know, it's environmental driven. She has a bit of everything in her. And it's 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 environmentally driven. It's a, it's a global experience. She has a very global view. Um, and it comes from what we exposed her to, right? So she lived in Nigeria. So she has that Nigerian part down. You know, her mom and grandma are Trinidadian. She has that Caribbean thing down. And she uses it all. It's all weaponized in her. She has a toolkit on her side. He said um, weaponized, you know. <laughs> no, true, 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 true. It has to be. You know, my daughter runs two businesses. You know, one is a share butter business, which is, has she just put up the website the other day, uh, my Nubian Queens. And the other one is it's custom. She makes paddles for people, you know, designer paddles. You know, and she has a job. So we're in the beach this weekend, and I heard her say, oh, I've been so busy with my job and my two businesses. I'm like, excuse me. You know? Excuse I'm me. Like, uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Made you check you know, yourself. Big time. Yeah. What? How? Yeah. What have? How have you contributed to society today? Exactly. So I know about the two businesses because obviously I help her with them. But I, I overheard it. I was reading and she was talking to somebody about what she's been up to. And I was like, wow. I was just in that moment. I was very proud because I'm an entrepreneur heart to heart. And I didn't tell my child to become an entrepreneur. I sent him to university. I gave them all the internships in the world. She had internship every semester, and this is what she's doing with it. So that's what I was trying to say earlier, that you can't force, you know, children. You can only provide the enabling environment. And if you're going to provide the enabling surviving environment, you probably should be teaching them global principles as opposed to, you know, because you cried, it means you should wipe your eye, you know, self-help type stuff. That Those self-help stuff is really addressed by culture and some of those questions we asked earlier about who are you, right? Mm. You know, it, it kind of some some of that self help book is really about helping people find themselves and finding you know their first hurt. I'm not trying to you know rain on the whole psychology. Some people do need this, right? That's not the point, right? I'm just saying that you know it has its valid place, but I think sometimes we're taking it and applying it to ourselves when we don't need to because we we already have. It's already built in us, and we just need to pass it on. So and instead of passing that it on, north, what did you say earlier? North stars in your book, your north star, exactly. North stars, yes. You need to be able to tie, dial into your own compass and and find exactly. your way. You Otherwise, you're then being. Hmm. You nailed it. See, when you read the book, you're gonna be laughing because that's exactly what we said in the book. That's exactly that's why we picked north stars. So uh -huh. it seems it starts from looking up in the mobile, but then when you start putting your north star together, it helps you map your route because you're going from here to here. So. She is going to do better than me because she has 
all my learning and all my mistakes as basis of things not to do. She comes to me with simple issues. I give her very complex answers. She gets better, right? Because I have all this experience, right? So she's on, she can only do better. This may be just her first idea, but down the road, either she's going to use it and become MD or some company because she ran a company where she's in 20s. Who knows? But these are all toolkits that are being built and it's level by level. And it, it's, it's more driven by, by business and world principles than it is than, you know, that self-help type thing because that self-help type thing. So I say all that to say, if I was wanting my dad to have read a book, I, he should have read like, you know, Shoe Dog or, or, or a book about people who started Wall Street, you know, Goldman Sachs book or something. Maybe I would have started trading earlier, you know? Maybe mm. I would have entered the market earlier. Maybe I would have known what to do to money when I made too much money. You see where I'm coming from? You know, because there's a period of time where I literally made too much money, but I didn't know what to do with it. Right. You, you know, I didn't, I didn't buy Facebook when I should have bought Facebook. Forget that. I didn't even buy Cisco when I should have bought Cisco. But maybe And if you I, were working in, if, I mean, you were working on, with their systems and things then. Yeah. And you yeah. didn't think, oh, let me invest in, in this. Exactly. So yeah. maybe if, if, if the book in my house at the time was, you know, how I made my first million by 22, maybe I would have been focused on that. So I would say business books. I wouldn't, you know, there's several, you know, like I read Shoe Dog a couple by Phil Knight. Um, maybe last year and I loved it his story was so you know even um, uh, this guy's book Noah it's not a self-help book but it, it's it's a, it's a good story as well nice nice you know I, I would prefer business books awesome and I remember Nigerian Homes had this thing about every home had a, an encyclopedia a thesaurus ah, as well my dad did of- that in America yeah. So instead of business, if we had more business books, I wonder if we would have a, a completely different generation of people, because right now we seem to like to go on Twitter and just be giving them big, big grammar instead of, uh, <laughs> you know, we we, yeah. we 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 honed the wrong skills or maybe the right skills. Who knows? Um, What obscure TV or radio commercial or theme song do you remember so well? It's unreal. Hi. What's crazy about that? I was just singing one just yesterday. Which one? Doctor. Ooh, I got a belly ache. Doctor. Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember that one too. And no, Yeah. None of them comes to mind because I, you know, my mind, I remember things, the weirdest things. So a lot of them are just playing. All of them are rushing to the front right now. Okay. Um, all, all those, like the one you just said, doctor. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few others that were just hilarious. And I think, Either either we don't get to see commercials anymore because TV has changed, because um, I I don't remember any more recent commercials. I I remember the old ones and yeah, com- the, old fact, ones. the old ones. We used to watch TV for commercials back then. I mean, sometimes mm. the commercials were just as entertaining, you know. Now they're just yeah. Mm, yeah. bland. No, I don't. I don't. None comes to mind right now. But I do remember okay. the one. I was gonna let that. You're ashamed to admit that you remember. What's the scariest decision or moment that you've lived through, and in retrospect, it was absolutely worth it. And if you could go through that door again, you would have gone through it earlier. Moving to Nigeria was a scary was a scary process because um, you had to basically give up a lot of the things you knew and um, to do it. Um, but I wouldn't say I would have done it earlier. Because I actually think um, maybe I should have done it later, which is weird. Um, but but the actual, you know, I'm on the path. You know, um, I work for this firm, but I desire to be somewhere else. And the place I desire to be is Nigeria was was rather rather scary and risky. Um, 
because it's even interesting. I mean, that's the kind of thing that if you know your parents are like, what are you talking about? I beg, stay where you are. Stay where you are, Joe. Uh, stay where you are, Joe. Not only you come. Um, so it was, it was, a, it was a big risk, um, and I think it's paid off. Um, the not real regrets, some regrets, some things you should have done differently. Um, Nigeria calls for a different kind of flexibility. Um, there's certain actually Chuka calls it a fancy behavior. There's certain fancy behavior that you shouldn't bring with you when you come to Nigeria because it actually it actually prevents the it prevents you from extracting value um, that is natural in the environment. So, um, but it but it's not it's not um, it's not where you're coming from. So if you bring that your London high sense, oh, well that wait that we'll never do that. Mm. Yeah, in the wrong place for that. So there's there's a bit of that that you know that 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 got overlooked or done wrong. You know that I would have done that would have done or do differently. Um, but other than that, I think that's pretty much it. There's awesome. not. Uh, mm. What's the most embarrassing moment you've lived through? But I don't want the story. Just tell me the moment in four words using four words only. Hey, most embarrassing moment. <laughs> There are plenty now. <laughs> Just pick one. Just pick one. Let me pick one that is PG. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so even if it isn't PG, you can just pick four <laughs> words that we won't connect the dots. You're a liar. You're a very smart woman. Okay, let me think of one. Okay, I have one. All right. Um, beer, evidence, test, stank. There you go. Was that four words? Oh, that is not fair because now my mind has gone in all kinds of corners. Good. That was all I did. That is I wicked. Won. That is I'll very, tell you later. very wicked. You have to pay me one dollar. Tell us how we can find you on this here Somolu's internet. <laughs> <laughs> because this is this has to be so. Or maybe this is Amboday's internet. I don't know. Because this is the one that's no, cutting up so much. But have you have you realized something? Ever since I said I made the phone call, you've been quite stable. I have been. So it's your village people, not mine. No, no, no. Your village people were doing it. Oh, and then you now call the Benin people to hold this like rain. Yes. That's I what happened. Look it. at it now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, look, I'm relaxed. I know this. I don't think it's going to cut off. See how strong and confident I am? This is why I made the phone call. respect the red soil, the red I made beans. a phone call. I said, please, I am having a conversation with a young Signs lady. Signs of the kingdom. You know, Wakanda people, started from Benin. It is. It is. But Wakanda is Benin. You see, they, they know now. Even themselves, they knew. See, when they started yeah. the movie now, they went to go and take mm. the knee out. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. So, um, the question you asked me, which I just forgot in my being a nuisance, uh, was what now again? <laughs> Tell us how to find you on Samuelu's internet. <laughs> oh, I, hey. Yes, I'm on Twitter. Yes, I am. Uh, it's Oz Osa Gobadia. I am on LinkedIn as myself. I can't hide there. It's me. Uh, Instagram, I'm just playing Osiratin. And uh, where else do people go to? I think that's it. Nobody says Facebook, because that one is a, you have to pass test to enter. You don't just enter everybody's Facebook. Unless, is, is there a Facebook page for your book? Yeah, of course. So the book is In Pursuit. No, In Pursuit A on Twitter. Um, on um, Instagram is The In Pursuit Book. And it's on LinkedIn and Facebook as well as In Pursuit Africa, you know. So it's it's on there. The website is the In Pursuit Book or InPursuitAfrica.com. Check us out. Um, how to order is on there. We're on every platform globally. That's what's really interesting. So you can find us on every kind of Amazon. Are you on Okada Books as well? No, we're not on Okada Books yet. Um, okay, because I wanted to do a giveaway because um, Amazon and um, and those kind of things don't um, 
they don't really they only get to a certain type of Nigerian person. No, we are on we are on um, Roven Heights and uh, the Tereso. Are those well used here? Because I see a lot of a lot of my followers use Okada mm. books to get their books, and that, anytime yeah. I do giveaways, that's what I use because they, that's what they have access to. We, no, they work the same way. We'll, we'll drag them to places. We'll expand their horizons, <laughs> right? We'll, expa- we'll expand the horizons. They both work the same way. They okay. are pretty much, you know, because Okada Books, I believe, you, you sw- basically what they've done is solve the Amazon don't want your card business, right? Yes, that's what they do. Uh-huh. Yeah, Roven Heights does the same thing. Literesso does the same thing. Literesso actually has an ebook as well. So um, you can get the ebook at about... Okada Books is ebook as well, yeah. It's like a thousand naira and stuff. Okay, excellent. So they're all, they're all the same. They're all chasing the same market. Uh, we just happened from a conversation perspective to end up on um, Roven Heights and uh, Literesso. Now, actually, we're on books.ng. I believe that's what they're called. That one just got signed. And every day there's a new one coming up because people are hearing about the buzz for the book. They're calling us and saying, you know, um, let's get the book on the platform. And we vet them out and, and then we, we load it up. Okay. So all of this will be in show notes. So you can just scroll down and press click. Click rather. Press click. Click on what you want. Press <laughs> It's and okay. You can get to. You it. have done a two-hour. You have done a two-hour interview today, I'm so it's exhaust. okay. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Are you doing any book readings that we should look out for? Are you doing any Zoom book readings? So what what we've been doing is basically doing podcasts, nice. doing uh, small seminars. Um, um, on oh sorry, it's not called a seminar anymore. A, a webinar. webinar, yes, uh, rather a webinar. So right, right, right. I'm so bougie, you know. Um, so after this, I'm gonna go play tennis. Uh, no, so um, pims the fuck, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have tea, play some tennis. So the um, so we've been doing a bit of that. Um, we, we we're taking it slow, taking it step by step. We, we we're using social media a lot. Um, we really like to hear from people. So like for instance, the pictures that you are seeing on my page are people who again the book and actually sending it. Um, a few people have done you know reviews. There's some videos of reviews they've done. So we, we're trying to, we're basically, like I said, it's a mission. So a mission needs an army. So we really look at people who uh, join the army, get the book, um, read the message, share it, uh, because we think it's a story or stories um, that need to be told and everybody needs to, to hear it. So we, we ask for people to help us amplify it. We don't particularly see ourselves as selling a book. Um, we see ourselves as telling stories that we think people can relate to um, and that's why we call it a mission, right? Because, you know, like I said earlier, you know, we want people to really start telling their stories. It's really, and it's really to help others and encourage others to do the same. You know, the process of writing a book is difficult, but the process of getting people to read your book is equally difficult, if not more so, right? So we're trying to understand the, like entrepreneurs, we're having fun with it. We're trying to understand yeah. the, the, the whole value chain and seeing how we can make it easier for other people who we think have quality, complete stories to tell their stories because they, they tend to remain quiet because they can't be bothered, right? But uh, people need to hear them to understand what the right path is to develop value in Africa. And that's one of my main problems. Did I say thank you yet? You said thank you. I heard thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, she's doing a village dance now. People can't see her. Village dance. Hey, she says she can't speak the language, but the village dance is... Learned muscles. <laughs> the muscles remember. Generational. It hasn't exactly. gone anywhere. Exactly. It's right mm. there. Thank you so much for putting up with my internet. Um, no, not a problem. I ended up using my 9 Mobile. 
my phone okay. is hot. It's now on two percent. It's going to die once it dies. Yes, the internet's it's gone. Gonna, um, it's, it's over. over. Yeah, but that's that worked in the end. Um, after several yes, attempts, it did. I'm so grateful for your time. And also called and the yeah, also called the Adobe people worked yes, as well. Yes, 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 yes. I bow down to the ancestors. They they helped they helped make mm-hmm. this work. <laughs> My mother told me that she would buy me a rubber dolly if I was good.